Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. We're right now just to set the scene at elk camp. Got one week of season left. Strand brought up the idea of, so what, who we got here is Cody, Noah, and Strand and I, and um, brought up the, the topic of how do we find elk? Because that is exactly what we're trying to do right now. <laughs> and by trying, I mean, it's not succeeded the last we two spend days. spends the last couple of days checking boxes where they're not. Yeah. Hey, that, I mean, it's, it's part of the cycle of finding out. Let's let that carry us into the first topic, checking off where they're not. Yeah. And I, I think, and we talked about this a little bit, touched on it yesterday too, as far as Roosevelt's versus Rockies, right? Talk about a little bit of if we could call a Roosevelt or a Rocky and choose one bull that was bugling, we would choose a Roosevelt anytime because they're more territorial, right? Well, that also means they're kind of more, more anchored in a certain location. And what we're finding with where we're hunting is there's not a lot of other places to go with a lot of food and a lot of, you know, vegetation and everything. And these elk are here today and it seems like they're gone tomorrow, you know, and we're, we're, we're not able to find them as easily as we thought we would. But whereas like a Rocky strand, you've had a bunch of scenarios with Rockies. They just bugle and go. Well, yeah, we just came, came back from being over East for better part of, I guess we can have two weeks and locating them is so different because you can get high over East and calling these big basins or off these ridges down into these fingers and cover so much ground where here it's really um, confined. So it's like, it's just small scale of things. Yeah. And thick vegetation. Right. Yeah. Sound doesn't travel that well. Doesn't travel from them very well. Like they could be in a only a 400 foot hole and you may not hear them. And that's where I've been thinking too lately, like we're bugling and stuff and doing a lot of road bugling and trying to just locate one. You could be off just by a corner or two, you know, and still not hear them or they not hear you. Same, you know, either. Well, one thing about road bugling, I I kind of want to clear up because a lot of people I talk to about road bugling, they think think we're road hunting or, oh, you guys are hunting off the roads. No, I am. No. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) No, they're right. They're right. (laughs) I'm I'm more or less using the road bugling to try to locate into these large ranges. So. Yeah, and that's what we're kind of, you know, taking that into the Roosevelt side of things, but it's, man, it's been, and Roosevelt's, I will say, I, I do feel like you're not going to get as many bugles out of them. There's certain temperaments that they're going to, I mean, just hammer and just go for it, and I think there is bulls that are hearing our bugles that aren't responding, you know, so I mean, it's not like a rocky bull that just like you bugle, it means I'm over here and he bugles saying I'm over here. Well, for sure on the rocky side of it, it's like those satellite bulls are bugling as much, you know, so they're, they're like talking, we, we witnessed this last week where yep. they're like, they were firing off of each other. Yeah. And here it seems like if there's a, a quote unquote herd bull, mature bull with those cows that. A lot of those satellites are like the sneaky. Yep. Yeah, he's going to bugle, snakes, but they're know? not really yeah. going to. Yeah. No, I would totally agree. And I, I just think too, like with our cover ground technique, like here, 
it's not as easy like to just take a ridge system with the roads that we have to choose from. It's taking a cat road and hiking it down like we did this morning to try to bugle off of both sides of that. It's, it's, it's totally different than just like open ground. Let's just cruise and let our bugles travel. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we hiked that. what three quarters of three quarters of a mile down that ridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it took a couple hours yeah. to, to yeah. do that, you yeah. know, to just basically check off one tiny area of a pretty massive forest. And I mean, and, and to set the scale too, is like, we're not hunting areas. We're clear cuts. It's, you know, it's more reprod or timber. So we're not able to use the glasses or anything like that as much. You're looking for rubs and you're looking for vocal elk. That's our, you know, forte. That brings Rub a, good, a good point too, because we've been kind of battling it this year at least i think we have been finding good fresh sign yeah like even over east for us we didn't find a lot of sign not a lot of rubs not a lot of good fresh elk sign and it's one of those things where you start second guessing it a little bit like are we in the right area but then you hear a bugle and you're trying to put it together because we had those what, three different bulls going that one little drainage yeah that and one more if we would just walk through there and not hurt elk you wouldn't you wouldn't have thought there were many elk in there at all no that's it it's it is kind of one of those things that i keep going back and thinking about it's like do we invest too much on having to see a lot of sign? But then if it's, you know, generally speaking, if there's a lot of sign, they're living in there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, they'll be back in here in the next day or two. And then uh, there's those elk in September that pass through an area that don't leave much sign. You might see a rub here or there and you might catch them in there at that time, but it's probably not necessarily worthwhile to go back and keep checking. Where I think if you're finding a lot of sign, that's like, the cycle, life cycle, where they're going to be, you know, at some point during the week. And I think you play it a little different, too. I think you really, I mean, obviously, it's a wind check. It's a, you know, get everything in your favor. But, like, if you can find where they're living, we'll be more likely to sit back and be like, okay, they're living here. We know where they're going to be rather than they're just a travel corridor, right? And yeah. We're just, we're just intercepting them on their way to and from, possibly, mm-hmm. or whatnot. But... Let's talk about two, uh, two days ago, was it two days ago? We had like whew, almost two inches of rain. First time it's rained this season. I, yeah, the whole season, I guess. Yeah. First time it's rained. Uh, perspectives on what that does to elk. I know over, over east, in my, in my experience, it shuts them down for a little yeah. bit. I mean, I know you guys had that day where it stormed pretty good and the elk were still going, going yeah. really good. But yeah. In my in my experience over there, when it, it was like raining, intermittent though. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a all day storm. Seems like usually it's a day and a half roll. Yeah, until they start going back again. Yeah, and I would say at least twenty four hours. I would say it, I, in our in our experience, I don't mind storms because I think it shuffles the deck a little bit on what for for one when you see tracks. Yeah, you're like okay, now you have a good timeline. Okay, it rained yesterday. Like it's between the rain and now, um, it wipes all that old dirt you know, tracks away. I know we used it to our advantage yesterday when Trevor and Steve and I were hunting and, you know, find trying to find that herd that he'd been on. He had been on the tracks before. Okay. You know, exactly. Yeah. I saw these elk walk through here and you had an exact timeline knowing, okay, that's a day old track. And then you could definitely tell when it was a fresh track, which is really nice. That's what I'm excited for tonight. You know, in the dirt it's, yeah. We'll yeah. be able to tell at least give a little bit of a timeline. Like, okay, that's mm-hmm. a little fresher. Yeah. You know? So, would you say st- storms or big weather events on the on the rosy side aren't as detrimental as on the east side? 
I, I don't know. I've never had really good luck after no. a storm ever. Yeah. I mean, I've, it just doesn't seem like they really, really move. And it, and it goes even like, even like deer hunting, like those first couple in, in deer rifle season, mm-hmm. those first storm or so, they don't really like, they keg up a lot more than like towards the end of rifle season when it's really storming usually. Then that's when they kind of go, okay, this is the norm. This is, this is what I'm going to have to deal with for the, it's for kind the of that, that pattern shift too for them. Like, just like we are as humans, we're kind of getting all of our summer chores finished up, ready for fall. Yep. Same thing with them for the animals. They're like, okay, we got to yeah, shift gears. Six here. months, the same yeah. every day. Every day. Yeah. yeah. And what we're dealing with now is temperatures. I mean, we are right on the coast here, not, but as the crow flies three miles from the ocean and it's 83 today, it's supposed to be, you know, it's like on what, September, what is today? 21st or something. Yeah. Yeah, That's crazy. I mean, that's just, yeah, pretty crazy. So, so what's another thing we noticed this this season? I I know one that stuck out in my head, we've been helping some folks that have some pretty good tags and realizing some things that I'm not saying they're doing wrong, but they could do differently to cover more ground. And what would that suggestion be? I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Get, I mean, it's, it's going to sound like the lazy man's way, but get in that truck and you cover ground as much as you can. I mean, it, it went from like when we were over east from hearing three bugles a day to that one day we heard 12 different bulls in one day. So we had a really good idea of, okay, one team go here, one team go here. These bulls were more fired up, it seemed like, and it helped a boatload for us. And for, and for the guys that aren't necessarily in an area with road systems, stay on trails, stay high, don't drop into these areas where you can't hear what's going on. Well, what's Noah been saying today? You know? Yeah. We broke rule number one this morning. We dropped in without hearing a bugle. Yep. So it's like we, it was. Yeah. It's not always the case because they, you know, sometimes bulls do a lot more activity when you're closer, you know, if you get closer to them. But we're looking for a confirmation of elk being in that area before we dive in. Yeah. Yes. Like our, yeah. our thing is efficiency. And yeah. one of the things Strand was touching on is when we were over east, we were talking to some of these guys visiting other camps that are hunting, you know, some of the exact same areas, but they'll, they'll go all in on that area for the day, you know, and they'll get into those same bulls in that area. So they might get on two or three bulls. But if you're just running around checking everything, I mean, like you said, that one day we got on 12, 12 different bulls and, yeah. and just not putting all your eggs in one basket on one hunt, you know, not being afraid to move around all throughout the day and just check all different, completely different areas and basins. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and not getting married to like, I've seen elk here in the past or I've seen, I've experienced yeah. this in the past and then they hunt the ground and not the elk. That whole fall yeah. in love with your hunting spots. Yeah. Yeah. Year after year. This was good four years ago. They were here. They were here. Yeah, this one time I saw a bull right here. How long ago was that? Six years ago. Okay. We're doing that tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we say that, we're going back. Guys, we're going back, okay? Yeah, we're going to check this out because it's been good in the past. One thing that I've been impressed with this season, and Noah, you could actually, you're the one I want to talk to about. Noah's been really good at the e-scouting. Like, he can... Yeah, he does pick apart a pretty good map. Real fast. And what what do you think, like, what are you looking for when you're looking on a map? (laughs) I'm putting you on the the hot seat. No, I've been impressed. You've done a really good job this year. It more comes from, like, I talked to Cody about this, too. Like, when we went to hunt with you in an area you've been a little bit, it's like, I don't know, you guys probably relate personality-wise, too. I don't like going and hunting an area and not knowing the ground, at least a little bit. So, it's just looking at something that I like to at least know where I'm going and where I've been and... And yeah, and just big roadless areas with with water and I enjoy that that area. Hunted, <laughs> I've hunted for four or five seasons. I think it's been now, and it's interesting when you hunt with different people. Different They look at it and go, "Hey, have you, have you gone in this way?" I'm like, 
well, actually, no, I always go in this way. Right. Well, have you ever tried this this route? I'm like, no, I always go in this way. So, and yeah. all of a sudden we started bouncing around, found, found some different areas, different access points. We quick found ways. Bruce. Found Bruce, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And they're, it's like. They're referring to a giant bull. Behemoth. Giant. Yeah. yeah, so an example of this, I guess, is Strand is hunting this in the, in the, in the past. He's hunted this area and gone into it. He, fa- he actually found a, a way into it from the top where a lot of people go in from the bottom. It's a walk-in area only. And we zoomed out a little bit to where we heard this bull go over the ridge and found a whole other road system that dumps in there. And we, there wasn't hardly any traffic up there. And we ended up getting on one of the biggest bulls any of us have ever seen. Biggest As the crow flies, maybe a, a mile from tonight. all the stuff he had ever hunted before. And that yeah. kind of goes to show like Onyx, they are the sponsor, the title sponsor of this podcast too. And, and we use Onyx probably, I mean, realistically, truthfully, numerous times, of times every day. day every yeah. day yeah every single day and it's like it can it can save your legs it can save a lot of different things and and even for like road bugling and stuff you know you can see exactly okay this is going to carry the most distance down in the drainage or whatever that may be and yeah and it is definitely something that it's just not something that we're just like yeah it's one of our sponsors da 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 it is actually a tool that we use daily yeah, and numerous I think, times. Like going back to Strand's question, what we and just touching on efficiency, it's like okay, this area looks cool. Maybe there's a closed road that goes right through the heart of it that we can, you know, without having to zigzag through that basin, which could take eight hours. Maybe there's a, a two and a half mile road we can walk down in a couple hours and yeah. effectively. I mean, if if you're within earshot of that whole basin with, with the road going right through the middle of it, just goes back to the efficiency. And we're looking yeah. for a biter, right? I mean, yeah. we're looking for the one that wants to play. We're not looking for the four of them that are just going to shut up and, you know, cower it away. We're looking for the one that wants to play. And yeah. we may go through who knows how many to get to that one. Yeah. You know? And like Trevor today said, hey, I found this new area. There's a road that goes right through the heart of it that's walking only. We'll probably be able to figure out in, in a hunt or two where those elk are at if, if there are elk in there. Yeah. Just because of the road layout. Yeah. No, I think... You know, we talk about efficiency. I think the other side of it is like being patient when you need to be patient and moving when you need to move. And I I think that's, that's definitely some people just always slow hunt, want to be quiet. And there's times when that needs to happen. And then there's times it's like, we're in the Sahara desert. It's dried up. Like, let's move. And you got to go through that move Mm -hmm. side of it. And I think when you're in that like Trent said today, this morning, talking about elk hunting, especially Roosevelt's, it's like 90% trying to find them and 10% killing them. Yeah. And um, you'll spend a lot of time just trying to find the suckers. I think I think we all agree right now. It's like if we can find one that's going to bugle, there's a good chance for a call in. Yeah. Oh, oh I we're, think I, we're our, all on the same bugle. bugle. Yeah. I think we're going to get a shot at them. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's that confidence too. That's just like, in all of us here, I think it's just like all we gotta do is find one, guys. We yeah. gotta just more, we're one bugle away from. And, I mean, that's what it. It only me. takes one, and it's literally just it's that. That, and it changes so fast when you finally do. It all clicks in place. Like, yeah. What do you What do you do? What's your like ideal calling scenario when you're trying to cold call the bull, get him to get him to locate? Is there a certain like type of bugle that you do or type of sequence or? So what we always usually do is like two or three different bugles. Mm-hmm. So it seems like bulls will like, like to respond to certain things. They'll either respond to a, 
we call it a two-tone where it's just like two different tones or a high-pitched bugle or a chuckle or whatever. Usually you can, you know, usually they'll spout off before and then you start the dance as I would call it, you know, and then see what they, what really pushes their buttons. And that's honestly like what really, really helps is being able to see your hunters. So if they can see that bull and you can't hear him raking back there where you're calling or anything, and you can have actual, you know, sign language to your caller saying, okay, he's raking, you need to rake, or he's doing this, you need to, or you need to bugle more, or you need whatever, cow call, whatever it may be. But like, if we could get a bull that like just answers to a cow call every time, be a good scenario. So, so when you come to yeah. a landing or come to a to a, a vantage point that you want to call down into, do you start off with a cow call? I or? throw three yeah. or four cow calls yeah. and, and just throw them out there, see what happens. And I would say pretty rare that they're just going to scream to a cow call. It happens though. I mean, yeah. I did this year a couple, few different times, but, and then throw a long high pitch bugle, like a location, Sound if you will. And bounces off the ridges. And, yeah, yeah. Just something that really yeah. kind of distributes in the canyon. How much does that help you? So say you do locatable and he bites to one thing how much does that tell you about the tactics you're going to use to call that bull in once you get in on him too is that something you really key in on whatever he responded to probably not till like two or three bugles in i would say just to see his temperament just trying to see what he does in certain situations and when you get closer it might be different he may shut up you know he may feel threatened he may you know so you might have to play it a little bit cooler you know i guess it's 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 after you get him to bugle what we always try to do is close the distance but like this year we've done some different things like bugle our way into him so it doesn't feel like he's just getting threatened right off the bat that's some some you know, in some cases works, some cases it doesn't, you know, some cases it just pushes them off further, you know? So it's just one of those things. It's just every, every scenario is different. Well, and I think people are always looking for like, what's the smoking gun? How do you get it done? And it was like, there's no, I, I, how many times this year have we had bulls bugle and never seen it? You have to be able to read the situation, the, the temperature of that bull or that turkey or those ducks or those geese. If you can't read the situation or call with emotion, you, you, I mean, it's, it's 100% experience yeah. based. Like how just, many you think? Quite a bit. I mean, honestly, this year, I'm tr- I was trying to think, like, how many bulls we actually called in to bow range, and it's a handful. I would say. Out of? Yeah. Out of how many? I don't know. Just throw First, a number. Uh, yeah. we got to be in that 30 range. It's I probably less imagine. than 15%, 20%. Yeah, I, I'm thinking four. Like, I know yeah. four. Yeah, that we, we called, like called in, in. We called in three on opening day, and then we did not. Oh yeah, call in another bull and to bow range until September 11th. the day we doubled and shot those two. Yeah, we got to talk about I just because I was there, Steve's yeah. bull. Yeah, because was that was a call in that I haven't seen in a long like that scenario in a long, long time. And that bull, he responded to a couple bugles, just total like yeah, I'm over here, not aggressive. Yep. The cow calling, though, we started cow calling back and forth. Noah and I and Steve just kind of made it sound like they heard talk. And those two bulls got themselves so amped up that all of a sudden Noah goes, um, I hear them down the bottom. And they came all the way from that opposite ridge down the bottom and up in less than half hour. Yeah. 20 minutes. yeah. So it's another thing there. What else? No bugling at all. What else do we listen That's for awesome. signs to key in on besides them just bugling to know? Because a lot of times they'll shut up and, you know, you may not know it, but they have could have closed the distance in half. So what else do you guys listen for besides the branch. obvious branch popping? I mean, I mean, what else that, is there? Yeah, I'd say that's tough because you want to you want to advance on them as fast as you know. Yeah. And I would say uh, it's something that we do probably 
don't do enough is set up often as possible. If you find a good setup, let's hold on to it. And I know Dirk and hunting with uh, him and Corey and stuff like that, it would always be looking for a setup. It wouldn't necessarily be, okay, how close can I get to this? And then you get there and you're like, well, that's a decent shooting lane. I got something over there. Yeah. It's finding your shooting lanes as you're advancing and then being like, this would be a dang good place to call him in. Let's try and then, it. And then you hold your ground. Yeah, let's yeah. try it here. And yeah. then if it doesn't work, then you go to, you know, the next plan. That was but, something we did on Steve's Bulls. We slowed way down. I'd say that was the yeah. first one of the, tra- and I was Strand's first day, but I know out of Steve and I's experience, that was probably the first one where we said, all right, let's sit here for a minute and see which direction he's naturally working on his own before we yeah. make a play. And he ended up coming all the way across the canyon. We didn't have to make a play. The thing that I noticed most on that bull in particular was the aggression as they amped each other up. Yeah. You could tell they went from like just talking back and forth, yeah, I'm over here, to both of them were pissed, both of them were excited, and mm-hmm. just it just the whole thing turned up a notch. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy how fast things, like on Cody's bull, it was just like bugles once, bugles twice. Eh, I think he's closer maybe three times. Yeah, he's getting closer, and then it was just – set up it was just it yeah. was like it, it's amazing like you work your butt off we'd work our butt off all week and we'd only seen one elk heard lots of bugles don't get me wrong but we'd only really seen and it's easy i think as a hunter to be like what am i doing wrong why right, am i right. what am Second i doing guessing. wrong yeah. it's so easy to do that and i think by sticking with your guns and being like it only takes one it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and then when it finally does having that belief where where when it comes together you don't glitch you know, you know in, like in right the before that we were standing on that ridge top and we're like yeah the wind's kind of goofy should we go down or like well it doesn't look too bad right here might set up and like we kind of just half-assed honestly like going into that setup and then it was like uh he's right there like should we move oh no we can't move can't like, move we, he's we, coming. We, and yeah. so it's one of those things is make a decision and stick to it and I think we 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 got lucky in the scenario. We could have been caught, you know, just standing kind of in the open, waiting and seeing. You know, you just got to kind of make that move and then uh, stick to it. Yeah, you had a uh, pretty unique experiences here too with regards to calling, like locating bulls, finding them. But then also, is a pretty heavily hunted area. Yeah, bulls were vocal, but you can't you couldn't slow plan. No, it was push. totally different than we've ever hunted. Yeah, you know, and I was kind of caught off guard a little bit by it because chasing these bulls just normal stuff like you know they were moving away but still bugling so that tells us that the cows are headed to bed that's cool and he's still just really vocal and it's like a perfect scenario right well in the place that we were at it was just so it was flat and had roads everywhere they crossed like two or three different roads just to go on their way to bed and he's still bugling and And i wasn't thinking vocal yeah, I wasn't thinking, and it's just like, here comes a rig, blows the whole herd out when they cross another main road, and it's like, man, maybe we should have really got on him faster and tried to just call him back just for one, because he came back once or twice. He, he did close the distance, and then he'd run back to his cows because they were already leaving, you know? So it's a totally different scenario and a totally just different style of, of hunting when you're in that kind of ground with a lot of people. It was It was different but it was crazy because the bulls were still there just bugling there doing their normal things you know a lot of cows and a lot of cows probably in heat oh i would assume yeah yeah Yeah. but again you know a hunt that should have you know could have been just wham bam done you know turned into a longer hunt than you than you think but it's just one of those things where elk hunting i don't think it's just 
I guess we get asked this a lot. Well, what do you do? What do you do? You know, and so much scenario based so stuff. I think we should probably talk like, you know, food, water, shelter, right? Those, those three, three ingredients. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I do think weather dictates on where the, those animal movements are. Pressure. Pressure. Yeah. You know, so definitely come into an area and not, um, put the blinders on what the terrain is and just be like, Oh, I'm just going to cover ground and look for it. You need to start looking in the right places. Yeah. Um, you I know, know myself, and, like I, if I'm an e-scout, if I'm just like looking at a map, trying to figure out the plan of attack, North facing slopes with benches. Yeah. That's number one. Yeah. Yeah. Benches are huge. I think benches, ben- benches, it's yeah. train breaks. A lot of people think like you have to be in the deepest, steepest, furthest away stuff to get into elk. And I don't think it's, it's cause of that. I think it's a lot of times you're going to find them where the pressure is not. And if you can find a big roadless basin that's hard to access and easy to cover, you're going to find elk in there more times than not. Yeah. This, this year, water was huge. Water was definitely yeah. a factor. And and it, there was water in places that you wouldn't think there was going to be water. So how often do elk need to water? I would say once every day or, you know, 24 to 36 hours. I would say uh, every day and a half. No, I, I in can certain places. somewhat relate them to cattle, but cattle drink on average six to eight gallons of water a day. I, I, I would say that's, that's close. That's, that's their need. Yeah, I would say that's pretty. So, yeah, I'd say at least daily, unless they can find it and just really stock up for a couple of days. But yeah, I'd say daily. And ideally, I mean, some of the some of the best luck I've seen is where you find that that bench country three quarters way up a ridge with seeps. I mean, seeps. Then they have yeah. it all in that same. Yeah. Well, they don't have to travel far. Yep. Right. But that's sometimes hard. I mean, sometimes it's like, and two, and that's where like mapping too, a lot of times it'll show those wet points and stuff like that. So you can kind of key off of that Mm -hmm. a little bit, looking for those bench or stuff and stuff like that. But yeah, those, and I would say a majority of times, if not, when we are in elk, like we're in that seepy, wet, green. All of a sudden your your boots are muddy. Yeah. It's like, okay, what just happened? Yeah. (laughs) They they don't venture too far from that. Your boots are getting muddy tonight, believe yeah. me. <laughs> believe me. Yeah. Where we're at. <laughs> Your knees might be wet. Take that one to the back. Yeah, you can take yeah. that one right Just home. Just when you're, one, one suggestion, when you're in the skunk cabbage and you're trying to step, step on the base of that plant. Okay. Yeah. Like, don't step on the mud. Okay. Step on the base of that plant. Because that's like fine. a little stairway to heaven, right? You across will find the mud. Of yeah. And step, the leaves the somewhat foliage. look like, like you can step on a leaf sometimes and that'll be like the snowshoe, but step on the base. Okay. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be. It's good. not terrible. It's not terrible. No, it's not terrible, especially because there's going to be elk there tonight. We're going to get them. North facing slopes, benches, water, feed. I mean, I sometimes I feel like they can find feed just about anywhere. I do too. You know, yeah, they, they can. They're survivors. You know, I wish I actually knew more on like what they're actually eating and why. Ungulate, but it's like it's like you find that seepy area, that area with water. It's a Five dollar word. You're welcome. Yeah. Want to spell it? No, not a chance. Not a <laughs> chance. Not a chance. Not a chance. But if you find those areas where they're living, where there's that seepy type water or those wet areas, there's feed. There's there. plenty of feed. Yeah. You know? yeah. I don't know. I think I think it is elderberry. Like I was looking at one of those plants. Oh yeah. And it has berries on it. That stuff is like it. elk crack. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's a good sign of like if you're in in an area, then you know, and you've seen elk consume those foods. You should see, like, those plants should be stripped. If it's, you know, if those elk are in there, around there, like, that should be gone. Yeah. And if it's not, then you're like, okay, there's not been elk here. And I noticed that, like, when we hunted the Blowdown Ridge, yep. mm-hmm. we came into a couple across those seeps, and I'm like, 
all this feed's not even touched. Like there's that was one of those tough, tough ones for me. That was an area that always has elk, and you're just about a quarter of a mile into it, and you're like, this is yep. barren wasteland this year. Well, <laughs> yeah. thing, nothing we could here. have stayed and hunted that ridge, oh, yeah. thinking, oh, maybe they just haven't moved into here from from the back country yet. No, I'd stick and move, and we ended up finding out. It was obvious. I mean, it was yeah. within a quarter mile. It was like nothing. This is not what yeah. it's normally. There was no, and that's one bull in the area, but yeah. the willingness to be like, all right, let's relocate. Don't be afraid to move. Yeah, you can't be married. Well, even that one, we had one bull in the area, but I think we talked about it on video quite a bit. As we were, we were trying to find the herd, and we're trying to find the, where the serious rut activity was, where that competition is, and something so, we can move in on where it's already We knew started, it's like it's September sixteenth, you seventeenth. Know? Like there's, there's Me- some, Mecca is somewhere. Yeah, like we're gonna find them. No, I think it's good. And I think, I think, um, just talking about it too, with each other, like you said earlier, Strand, it's like kick around ideas. You know, I, I am a professional hunter, PH, if you will, um, you know, going about it like that, but, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Like, if you guys ask like, each like other. to book a hunt, it's a www.neveragainadventures.com. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's good for one season, though. It's good for one season. Just rotating clientele. Yeah, yeah. It's just, there's a lot of turnover. A lot of turnover. No, but um, but bouncing off of each other and being like, okay, what do, what do we come uh, to a consensus of rather than just like, well, I think we should go here. Just, you know, I mean, it's, it's, and a, then it's when, a team effort. When you find them, make note, like, yeah. you know, make mental notes or physical, yeah. like, write it down whatever you need to be like this was why they were there and you know and understand it one thing i started doing this year and i actually started doing it on the computer but on x i started leaving notes on my pins oh yeah because i used to just pin like oh a rub yeah but it was like i actually put like the year and what was going on that's cool and that way you can kind of look back and have some context of what was going on yeah yeah no, that's a good idea you find out where you can't figure out why they're there 100%. I mean, even last week, Bruce, it, we were just, you know, we went right across the draw and it was like awesome elk habitat. And everywhere we got into them, it was like, why are they here? Yeah. But they were. Elk yeah. are exactly where you find them. Right where you find them. I think they're always in Aspens. Always. Yeah. Why is it Aspens look so cool every single time? You can't see Aspens and just not go, oh, there's got to be an elk, elk in there. <laughs> and have we ever killed an elk in an Aspen patch? I don't. Think that we have. Yeah, Steve killed that one in Colorado in 2014. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. So that's Mr. Yearbook over here. It's not. Yeah, in 2014, <laughs> he was wearing uh, red socks at the time. He had on his favorite. <laughs> Cody remembers everything. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, guys, this has been a good one. I think as far as it, bouncing things off of each other, if anything else, and getting ready for tonight's hunt. It's been a fun season. I, I, it's been a season where it's been full of its own difficulties. Where we've got to learn. I uh, I will say I've I've actually really enjoyed just hunting the state. Uh, oh man, state. Yeah. it's been it's cool been to explore so home yeah. state. You know, hunt yep. some areas you never hunted that you didn't didn't know right in your own backyard. Yeah, I think that's kind of one of those eye openers, right? It's like, oh, you got to go travel to you know Colorado, Wyoming, Idaho, yeah. Montana, and it's like, man, there is some cool stuff in this state. You may even see one of the biggest bulls you've ever seen. Yeah. In any state. If I draw Kentucky, I'm going to Kentucky, just so you know. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Keep going in for PA. I'm coming with. It hasn't come to fruition <laughs> hasn't come, yet. Hasn't come yet. Nothing? Not yet. Well. Not they yet. give out like 13 tags. You think I would have drawn by now. Yeah. <laughs> I should start applying. I would. Yeah. Those are those transplanted elk, right? Giants. I, I wouldn't matter. They're huge. Yeah, they're giants. Yeah. Huge. Kentucky, too. Yeah. yeah. They bugle with a drawl. 
They will draw to them. Unbelievable. Yeah. They've actually <laughs> taken that and adopted it, huh? Weird. <laughs> With that, I think we're going to end this one. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this one, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.